and welcome back to It's Symbolic, where apparently we don't have a goddamn clue what's going on. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Well, yeah. no one spoke up right away, so I'm going to go ahead and take the reins on this intro this time. Oh, okay. Too late, Jacob. You're, uh, um, just... Snooze, you lose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just sounds like a proverbial it... gun pointed at my head. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I gave it a beat, and no one stepped in. I figured if someone... <laughs> Have something they were so eager to put out there, they would have done it. But, you know, I gave it. You just uh, have no respect for comedic time. No one said anything. Boom. Jump in. Uh, And that's it. That's what I had. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) God. Well, if I could just make this podcast an hour of confused silence, I probably would, given today's topic the 1974 album The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. This topic was suggested to us by a friend of the show, Claire. Thank you, Claire. But what a thing to get into. So what what do y'all know about progressive rock? God, I... Uh... I mean... Basically nothing. Yeah. Genesis has involved one of the most influential bands of all time that I cannot tell you how a single song of theirs goes. Wait, really? You can't? Yeah, I... I'm not gonna <laughs> sing here, but you can't? Yeah, I, I know Land of Confusion, but that's because... That's just because of the music video. I... This what is about... the most Genesis I've ever li- listened to in my life. That's <laughs> shocking. I mean, I like... mean, I know a couple songs, but they're all, like, post-Peter. Yeah, Taylor. exactly. I only know, well, like most people who aren't super into Prague, I only know phil collins era stuff and really phil collins solo stuff i will say um growing up uh one of the six cds that was uh inserted into my parents cars uh multi-cd player was the tarzan soundtrack so (laughs) you could say i'm something of a phil collins aficionado oh well we have an expert here (laughs) thank you i think you say the phil collins era but phil collins was there for most of the peter gabriel era as well yeah 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 i mean so, it probably shouldn't get too into the band itself but yeah it, mostly just because i'm not really that informed <laughs> yes I, so i did my very best but i i'm a relative newcomer when it comes to the realm of Prague. and uh aside from genesis's you know bigger hits during the phil collins era you know their yeah. discography from Peter Gabriel's period. You know, by this point, by 1974, they had become somewhat of a success. They were fairly big in mainland Europe pretty much since the beginning, mm-hmm. but they had really just become big in the UK from their, around the time of their fourth album, Foxtrot, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And so. Following that, in their follow-up album, Selling England by the Pound, they have begun to get this sort of reputation. A big portion of their reception revolved around their tours, which often had Peter Gabriel Mm -hmm. in very flashy costumes, which... (laughs) Yeah, from what I hear, uh, I've heard a few stories about what led to all that. Some of it's like, you know, 
he had stage fright and that sort of helped him overcome it. Some of it is uh, they didn't have like a good audio system, so they didn't really think the tour could stand on the music just because it didn't really come across very well. <laughs> so they sort of played off the theatrics angle instead, or at least yeah, Peter which... Gabriel did. Uh, I don't know if you heard uh, what I saw was that the first time he came out in costume, uh, which was as the character on the title, or excuse me, on the cover of Foxtrot, uh, none of the other band members knew he was going to do it. Oh, God. So he just <laughs> came out on stage with a fox head. And well, that wacky piece. That was the... <laughs> and, you know, all the other band members thought, like, this is, like, you know, the stupidest thing. This is going to, like, ruin the show. And then the audience loved it. Which is interesting since it's the sort of theatricality that's not really associated with popular music until, like, the glam rock of the 80s or yeah yeah shock definitely. rock which i suppose what started out around late 70s or so but regardless yeah so a few years later yeah man we almost sound like we know what we're talking about yeah i'm impressed well, so once. far so yeah. far so good. it only took nine episodes <laughs> <laughs> yes in june 1974 they decided to write a double album that is an album with twice as much music two units sold you see Music used to come on these things called LPs. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, well, anyway, at this point... Let's Plays. They came on Let's Plays. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gamer, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just imagining, like, the family sitting around putting on an old 45. <laughs> What's up, gamers? What's up, YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dude, I really... That, that to needs to be in, like, player. more of those games that are, like, post-apocalyptic, but, like, 60s aesthetic. Uh, sure, sure. Like, a, like a Fallout kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> Only it's just <laughs> vinyl Let's Plays. Oh, God, I really want to just sort of, like, class up my play, set up a record player, and be like, oh, let me put, on, let me put something on, and then just put the needle on. What's up, YouTube? <laughs> Anyways, double album. Yes. That's a lot of music. Exactly. And by this point, they decided to do a concept album as well, where if you're unaware, it's the sort of thing where all the tracks hold a larger format. They tell a story. Probably the first one is, or at least the first to generally be considered a concept album, is Woody Guthrie's Dust Bowl Ballads in 1940. But... Hmm. As a bit of background, by the way, uh, prior to the conception of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, there was a short story written by Peter Gabriel that was included in uh, Selling England by the Pound as well, which we'll get to that later, but it did, you know, garner up a bit of renown. Yeah, that was part of why they felt they could tell a story with it. But, mm -hmm. you know, while it's a bit more out of place these days, I think the only real modern concept album i can name maybe american idiot but it was well i don't know anything about green day so <laughs> but yeah they were already pretty i, I missed that familiar phase. both from you know general success people consider stuff like some of the beatles albums a lot of the who stuff and even say a lot of some of andrew lloyd weber's early stuff was originally released as a concept album i think that's what Evita was originally. Yeah, Evita <laughs> and Jesus Christ Superstar both were. 
Also, Jacob, I was going to question why you knew so much about Green Day, but then I remembered that there's a musical adaptation and all my questions were answered right away. Exactly. And it's a really fucking good musical adaptation, okay? (laughs) I believe you. But, yes, so, when it came to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, by this point, the band consisted of Peter Gabriel, Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, Bill Collins, and Steve Hackett. So, they booked three months in a former poorhouse, where a lot of bands used to write albums, particularly Led Zeppelin. And they sure didn't afterwards, because it was filled with rats. Yeah, it was a mess. In regards to the story, one of the first ideas tossed around was an album based off of the classic book, The Little Prince. But Gabriel... Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, Gabriel, Peter Gabriel thought it was too twee. And believed that prancing around in fairyland was rapidly becoming obsolete. Shut up, Peter. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) What do you know, Pete? Yeah, I would actually love to see a Little Prince rock opera. <laughs> that would be really good. Yeah. Yes, but instead, Peter Gabriel decided that, you know, he would write the whole thing on his own and <laughs> cited a ton of influences. He cited West Side Story, the book mm. Pilgrim's Progress, Carl Jung, the really weird western film el topo which i'll tell you once i found out that that was part of the inspiration it explained everything about the album oh did you were you familiar with this prior to researching this because i hadn't heard of the film at all until you know el topo yeah i know el topo i didn't know the album but i know el topo okay huh but yes so peter gabriel decided you know he would write all the lyrics himself because that would bring unity to all of the tracks or whatever Uh, Also, if I can jump in a bit here, my understanding was that from the very beginning uh, of the writing of this album, Peter Gabriel had an inkling that this would be his last stint with the band, because he had sort of garnered a reputation uh, due to the live shows as, yeah, the face of the band. Exactly. That didn't really lead to, you know, proper unity amongst the band members. Everyone was admittedly kind of sick of him by this point. For example, he refused some of the alterations that his bandmates suggested to the lyrics. And one point he left because his wife was having problems with their firstborn. Another time he left in the middle of the writing to work on a screenplay with film producer William Friedkin. But it didn't work out. (laughs) <laughs> it was a week. It took him a week to go work on a screenplay and then come back to the band. I don't even know how that can happen in a week. Well, no, the thing was, it was a week, and then they realized that nothing was happening, and he came back. <laughs> Quite a turnaround, still. Yeah. Lyrics were written by Peter Gabriel, music written by some of the others, and some of the tracks on the album are actually just jam sessions, mm-hmm. which... Explains a lot, especially during the instrumental tracks, some of which have this eerie quality, which is also owed to apparently not really being recorded in a professional sound studio. Instead, they just used mobile recording equipment. Which brings us Hmm. to the actual product. What a product it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, where do you want to start with this, then? 
Yeah. Do you want to just go over an overview of... Yeah, we may as well go through the story. Oh, oh yeah, it should be mentioned that um, in addition to the album itself, uh, on the insert, on the liner of the album, it would have written this fairly lengthy short story. Oh, yes, very lengthy. Yeah, that went along with the album. Uh, you know, both sort of providing further elaboration on scenes or adding additional dialogue it's this really flowery language that yeah doesn't make any sense <laughs> i feel like uh i tried reading it myself as well and i feel like you sort of get the idea of what you're getting into when the first line is like get your finger out of my eye which yes. is supposed to be some sort of weird like meta joke about you like you know opening the album cover and yeah. poking him in the eye while you do it yep. keep your fingers out of my eye while I write, I like yeah. to glance at the butterflies and glass that are all around the walls. The people in memory are pinned to events I can't recall too well, but I'm putting one down to watch him break up, decompose, and feed another sort of life. What does that mean? <laughs> so the story itself revolves around a New York street punk named Rail who hates everything and is kind of a jackass, but that's standard for rock opera, so we let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> the very first thing we see is rail goes around new york and sees a lamb lie down on broadway and that is all that we are certain of <laughs> yeah we don't know don't... why the lamb is there even people who feel like they have a pretty good idea of what's you know trying to be said within the album don't know what the lamb lying down on broadway really is uh, maybe maybe the latest production of gypsy just went horribly wrong Who's that joke for, Jacob? That joke is for me. I do think that one thing worth noting is that New York at this time was actually kind of grungy. Yeah, like the whole Very. touristy aspect of New York didn't really come across until Disney came along and cleaned it up in like the 80s, 90s. I guess Giuliani had something Thanks, to Nikki. do with it. Well, I don't know. I don't know New York that well. I should. You should. I, I do kind of see what they were going for here because, you know, this innocent creature lying down on this cesspool of sin. Sure. And I mean, there's also just, you know, lambs are pretty common as far as biblical allegory goes, too. And oh, I'm not necessarily yeah. sure what it's trying to come across with that allegory in particular, but it's sort of like, oh, I don't okay. know. I saw it as innocence, but... Yeah. And that's all I really knew, because following this, he becomes encased in a dark cloud, sees a bunch of things going on, then wakes up and finds himself in a cocoon. where the hell I am, some kind of gem. Cocoon. And then he decides to fall back asleep, so guy's got his priorities yeah. straight. It was comfy. The cocoon was really comfy. I don't know. I never been a cocoon. Have you? That stopped the conversation dead. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Is that some sort of? Is that some sort of banned topic? Is that like a fetish thing? And I don't know about it. God. I don't think so. Well, I mean, I'm sure it must be, but it's just a question of how common it is. God. Yes, it's around this point that we're introduced to 
Rail's brother, John. Another biblical thing, probably. Probably? I don't know. But it establishes the sort of recurring pattern where Rail sees John, Rail tries to get John to help him, John is a dick and doesn't do anything. What a shitty brother. I know. Except he does... He does cry blood, which is sort of like, that's quite a gesture, but it doesn't really help him get out of a cage, you know? Yeah, exactly. honest if someone came up to me while i was in a cage and cried blood i wouldn't necessarily want them to get me out <laughs> yeah I'd be like, okay okay you know okay what? okay please leave I'll, st- I'll stay in here it's cool <laughs> but the cage disappears he finds himself in this factory where people are being processed like packages because mm-hmm. you know symbolism consumerism and yeah man this whole thing showed up later in the wall human bandage we do get a bit of backstory of rail being shitty <laughs> and crying while holding I'm a porcupine not... are you talking about him being shitty at sex or are you talking about something else right now oh both It was just a shitty person in street gangs. Uh, and then yeah. he was shitty at sex. <laughs> also, his heart uh, gets taken out and shaved. I was going to make an on the streets in the sheets joke, but I couldn't really think of something good. So if someone else wants to take a stab at it. At our Twitter. Get some <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Response might show up in next week's episode. God. I don't know, rail in the streets, a failure in the sheets? Well, it was an attempt. It's okay, I liked it, Jacob. Uh, By this point in the album, you're not sure what's going on. (laughs) And, you know, it's just suddenly, he's there now. Yeah, well, it's like... He went from the cage to this weird, like, alternate version of New York, where everything's familiar, but it's, like, not quite the same. Which I'm sure is the plot of the next Persona game. (laughs) Persona takes New York. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get even more symbolism. He finds himself in a corridor of people that crawl towards its exit through a spiral staircase, where he comes across a chamber with 32 doors and doesn't know which one to take. Until he's guided by this random blind girl that he comes across. And then he's brought to a waiting room. <laughs> in in a cave. Except then the, in the waiting room, it's like, then he gets fucking killed, which kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, he meets death. Yeah. I, I don't know what death does to him, but... He, he snuffs him. Oh. If he wants you to snuff it, all he has to do is puff it. He's such a fine dancer. Well, he says that death is a, a cool guy, a nice guy. I mean, you're not but wrong. I'm, 
I'm down with, hell yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's down with death is cool with me. Yeah. Then, you know, following a natural order, Rail dies and then gets laid. <laughs> he encounters... Is that the way it goes? <laughs> yeah. He encounters the Lamia? Lamia? I don't know how to pronounce it. I'll let you say it, so any complaints over... It's a Greek mythological figure you. where the original was a woman who became a child-eating monster after her own children were killed by Hera. What's important here is that they're snake ladies. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty close, but they're, they're mm. snake ladies who immediately, you know, have sex with him, but apparently part of this involves drinking his blood, which, I don't know, kinky. Well, first, it's actually, uh, he starts secreting this blue liquid from his body, and they just lick it up, and he's just, like, super into giving them this liquid so they can eat him up. And then, uh, yeah, as soon as they eat his blood, they just die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that how it goes? <laughs> I hope not. Well, I hope that you don't find out. Jacob, don't go around killing snake ladies with your blood. That's rude. With the first drop of my blood in their veins, their faces are convulsed in mortal pains. The fairest cries, we all have loved you well. Because then, much like Rail himself, you'll be forced to eat them. Oh, yes. <laughs> then, it, then it becomes a war game, I guess. <laughs> it's a well, war it's like, thing. why let these bodies go to waste? Someone's got to clean up. Oh, Lamia, your flesh that remains, I will take as my food. It is the scent of garlic that lingers on my chocolate fingers. If he eats them, does he become the new Lamia? <laughs> no, because it's later established that every person who goes through this path encounters the same thing, and the Lamia keep respawning, I guess. <laughs> Someone should put up signs. Do not feed the Lamia your blood. <laughs> they won't go to bed if you do. <laughs> They'll be up all night. And no TV after 9.30. <laughs> oh, they love Glacial Freeze Gatorade. So, to this point, uh, probably one of the more iconic aspects of the album comes up rail meets the slipper men who are these he is slipper man yes he the slipper men are this really god i don't even know how to describe they're it awful they suck <laughs> i hate them a lot yeah they're they're just like these to like these toad like things yeah yellow things covered in pustules and warts or whatever and they have like big old dicks everywhere too oh yeah it looks it like an Olympic mascot from the late 90s. Oh. <laughs> I hate them. And his brother's one too now. Yeah, now, now we just find John again. We don't know how John got here. <laughs> he also got fucking ate up. Buy some snake ladies, I guess. Yeah, but... What a sibling bonding experience. <laughs> I, I guess? You saw the snake ladies too? Wow. 
I feel so much closer to you now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice fucking gross frog dick you have, bro. Speaking of which, it's revealed that the way to become human again is to visit Dr. Diaper, which... I did not realize that pronunciation until I said it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) But doctor is spelled in the German fashion. I don't know. Maybe it's a... He has an accent, too, if I recall right. Yeah, I don't know. It Maybe it's Holocaust imagery. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. But it's revealed that the only way to become human again is to chop your dick off. Just get that dang thing out of there. Who yeah. needs it? I mean, you saw what happened to the, with the Lamia. It's not doing you any good. <laughs> <laughs> no just good like, things have come. sex anyways. So it's just like... Honestly, this thing does more harm than good. Just get it out of here. Exactly. Only then they decided to keep it around their necks. <laughs> In a little capsule. It's yeah. Like a, it's a souvenir. Which seems like it would become a raging fashion in the club scene. Holy shit, dude. Can you imagine go- like how bumping the gay bar scene would be if like everyone just had these dick necklaces? That'd be crazy. Yeah. Forget wearing a cock ring. Yeah, just your wear neck. your cock as a ring. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Just here, let me show you what I can do with this. <laughs> you have a practical demonstration beforehand. <laughs> Used to be a fucking nasty-ass frog dude before I got this thing off. Yeah. But, you know, immediately after they leave the doctor, Rail's container is stolen by a raven. Those, those <laughs> nasty ravens just love to steal dicks. Yeah. And he immediately decides favorite. he's got to get it back. I mean, you were just in a hurry to get that thing chopped off, which was rude, by the way. The Slipper Man it. comes up and it's... tells you about himself, and you immediately decide, nope, I am taking the most drastic action possible <laughs> to become <laughs> unlike you as quickly as possible. You could have at least waited for him to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you hurt his feelings. Look, I mean... If I were one of those dudes, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I feel you, man. Right there with you. Rail decides he needs to get his penis back, which, you know, you just got the thing chopped off. It's not going to serve any practical use. Just count your losses, buddy. Come on, it'd be such a great, like, you know, what a a great way to decorate, like, your shelf or, like, maybe your wall or something. It's a conversation piece. What a great conversation starter. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Hey, He's why do you have a dick on your wall? <laughs> uh, well, that's quite a story. <laughs> I'm just really kicky. Hey, so as as any good brother would do, he then requests the the help of uh of john on his mission to rescue his penis but john is just like i don't want anything to do with that i i got mine you know yeah. <laughs> sucks to suck exactly i said that without even realizing we were talking about penises <laughs> <laughs> looks like you won't be able to suck at all bro <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if self fellatio was sort of like the idea here but i guess that's one use for it yeah. I don't know. You could, like, use it as a makeshift microphone. Sing into your dick. I don't know. (laughs) 
instead of a hairbrush. Oh no! <laughs> Don't like that. <laughs> Regardless, this raven drops the dick into the water, and it is never seen again. Got it. Got to give that dirty old thing a thorough cleaning. Yeah. To be honest, you're better off without it. <laughs> At this point, Genesis has decided, okay, enough's enough, we need to wrap this thing up. And Rail sees what's apparently a portal that leads back to New York. But at the same time, he also sees John drowning and crying for help. (laughs) Because, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, John, and just like my fucking dick, you didn't help me get back. (laughs) Yeah. Should've now who's just, the fucking you know, dick say hi to my game. dick while you're down there. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, here, toss me yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> God, I'm really. God, I'm picturing fucking Indiana Jones, except instead of the fucking artifact, it's his dick. <laughs> throw me the dick and I'll throw you the rope. Except those are sort of like synonyms, so. Should I just put in the description that we talk about penises for like 10 minutes in this episode? Yeah, yeah, we really doomed ourselves here. Thanks, Pete. But, yes, so Rail decides to be the better person and save John. And nearly drowns himself doing so, the way back to New York vanishes. Then, after John is rescued, they come to the bank, and Rail turns John's body over, but sees his own face, instead of John's. Which, I don't fucking know. People have have theorized that John represents the good side of Rail, but John just yeah, abandoned so... this kid twice already. Oh, I don't think it has really I... a good side, but it's just some form of self-realization, I think. Speaking of self-realization, this causes everything to melt into a haze, the bodies dissolve into light, and Rail becomes one with everything around him, or it, as it's referred to. And that's the lamb lies down on Broadway. You know, we never did find out what happened to that fucking lamb. (laughs) But, 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 there's more than just an album, you know. Oh, true. So, in turn... They had a tour where, you know, they played through the whole album. They presented it as a story, very theatrical, a lot of costumes, as we've discussed with some of their earlier work. And yeah, so like it was a mess. <laughs> For starters, <laughs> it, was such a, it, it sounds like the fucking most cursed concert to ever have happened. I mean, speaking of rock operas, the only other one I can that I've heard of that's maybe this disastrous was The Wall. 
Oh, I feel like that's probably the one that most people know about period. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, for starters, they had to reschedule it because one of them, like, shattered a wine glass and tore the tendons in his hand. Yeah, and then the guitarist, yeah. Ended up playing. He thought he might not be able to play again, like, period. Mm-hmm. And then I think they played in the U.S. before the album was released there, so nobody mm-hmm. knew what to expect. The tour mostly involved backdrops that showed a number of slides from eight projectors and a laser lighting display, which, you know, seems very 80s for something in 1975, but... It was ahead of the game, man. And it never worked. Out of 105 performances, they say it only worked like four or five times. Yeah, so like it would it would freeze on a certain frame, so it would be like the whole thing is supposed to be in sync, obviously, with the music and the projectors supposed to be in sync with one another. So often the pictures will like line up or have some sort of relation, but instead you would have like pictures of New York that were supposed to only be there for the first song that were just there for the rest of it because it got stuck. <laughs> no, they, they should have just had it like I want slide projectors in the style of like those overhead projectors that they had in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to Peter Gabriel keeps having to like run up to them and like swap out the, the plastic slides. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I feel like he'd be up for the task based off of everything I've heard. Yes. In turn, of course, Peter Gabriel played rail and went batshit crazy apparently. He surrounded himself with a spinning cone with images of snakes during the Lamia sequence. And most infamously Remember how disgusted we were by the slipper men? <laughs> he dressed up as one. <sighs> the costume is just so bad. I fucking hate it. He has like <laughs> these balloons on his crotch and it sucks a lot and I hate it. It's not even functional. It's like the whole thing behind it was it was he was blind in it. He couldn't fucking see yeah, what was going on. He crawled out of a and- giant penis. Yeah, he crawled out of a giant. I, I don't know. Penis, maybe that's what this whole sucks. album is actually about. It was just about the penis. <laughs> it is about the penis, but uh, and like, yeah, he couldn't even fucking sing in it for the most part. He had to like hold the microphone really close to the mouth, and it's like it was just not, not good. And then for the castration, they uh, fucking popped the balloons on his crotch. Oh Jesus! Yeah, now, I'm not sure if you heard. Going back to some of the disasters that occurred uh, with the cone that you had just mentioned how there was a time where the microphone cord got stuck on the cone as it was rotating and much like a snake it would start to wrap around peter gabriel oh no (laughs) so he had to fucking spin around with the cone to prevent himself from getting fucking strangled by the microphone cord (laughs) we that's that's (laughs) horrifying what a way to go can you imagine if like the cone fucking lifted up and you're trying to dead peter oh my god (laughs) (laughs) holy shit (laughs) that would be horrifying we shouldn't be laughing it would be horrifying but it almost (laughs) happened that's phil collins actually said that the tour was the inspiration for spinal tap (laughs) (laughs) god he did describe it as very spinal tap, yes. Yeah. In the middle of it, Peter Gabriel just announced that he would leave once they were done. <laughs> I remember, was it like at the second last show that he announced it or something? But then the last show just got canceled because they didn't sell enough tickets. So 
very unceremoniously that ended up being their last performance together. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen differing accounts, but you know, he yeah. said that he wanted so, to spend more time with his family, but then he launched a very successful solo career. So yeah, also it's worth mentioning that, like I said, how the last one sold out of tickets. This is not a particularly successful tour of theirs. Oh yeah, <laughs> for a few reasons, including just like the fact that they didn't. You know, they were just playing this album. They didn't play the hits that people wanted to hear. And it was also just fucking... I don't think a lot of people got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it put them, like, 200,000 pounds in debt. Yeah. <laughs> the, the album opened to mixed reviews. Even amongst the band. Among the members at the time, like, half of them love it, half of them hate it. Yeah, I was recently looking at an interview uh, that came out. Uh, during like the 2007 remaster of their discography and for one thing uh, they have interviews for each of the albums the one for this album is twice as long as the one for any of the other ones just for <laughs> well it's a double album during... <laughs> well yeah that's true <laughs> but a lot of it's just them being like yeah i don't really know if you know the story really stood on its own and you know Stuff like that. A lot of the band did not seem to be fans of Peter Gabriel's vision. Oh, yeah. And I don't think most of them know what that vision was. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure to this day I don't think they know. Yeah. And he refuses to say. <laughs> it tanked on the charts. It didn't really do well amongst critics at the time. But over time it became to be seen as one of the most influential works of progressive rock. Also, it's worth mentioning that, you know, obviously, like we said, Peter Gabriel uh, left the band after this to, you know, spend some time with family and then eventually go on to a solo career, which means that following this album, you enter the much more successful Phil Collins era of Genesis. Yes, where he took over as the front man. Yeah. yeah. Both Apparently, went on to massive success. Yes, yeah. very much so. It's also sort of worth saying that from what I hear... Starting from when Phil Collins became the the front man, they started leaning further and further away from Prague, which, I mean, pretty much lines up with what I know, considering the Genesis songs I'm familiar with are much more on the pop side of things. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously Phil Collins' solo stuff is much more on the pop side as well. Of course. Which is interesting, given that Peter Gabriel's later stuff feels a bit more pop as well. Yeah, it's very pop, definitely. Yeah. I would even argue it might be more pop than Phil Collins, based off of what I've heard. But I'm not super intimately familiar. I mean, just how do you go from Lamb Lies Down on Broadway to Sledgehammer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then again, Sledgehammer is equally subtle in its dick metaphors, so. <laughs> but the video is so, like, you know, bright, and it's like the total opposite of in tone from this. Yeah. It's still all certainly very imaginative. Yeah, I have no idea what this means. I've been... Trying to figure out... There is actually a book written about different interpretations. God, I'm not surprised. In the brief amount of research I've seen it as well, there's like this... One of the things I came up on was this really lengthy, like, annotated version of the entire story with yeah. both the lyrics and the... Yeah, and all that, and with interpretations and, you know, citations and all that. Yeah, I meant to go through that. I found that as well, but... Yeah, there's a lot of allegory in it as well, both... Yeah, you know, biblical allegory, and then 
pop culture references, which are kind of a bit like esoteric at this point. Yeah. Because I'm not super intimately familiar with 70s like pop culture figures. To be fair, I used, I followed along on Genius.com, which right. is decent when they don't have their heads up their own asses about how much smarter <laughs> they are than everyone else. Yeah, I did look at it uh, on, I have to admit, like, the way that I listened to the album was uh, I, like, looked at the lyrics on Genius as I was listening Yeah, to that's it. exactly what I Just, did. Just, you know, for the sake of, apparently, from what I hear, it can be kind of difficult to make out what's being said if you're not looking at the lyrics while you're listening. Oh, of course. The is I mean, for one, great. it's all these weird voices at times. Yes, yeah, true. The slipper man <laughs> sounds like this, and it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. So sort of like, I don't, I feel like maybe my experience is one where it's not quite as nonsensical to me as it might have been if I wasn't, like, if I didn't have the lyrics in front of me as I was experiencing it. Well, not just the lyrics, but the the genius page yeah, also the interpretation. had clips from the liner notes mm-hmm. uh, to coincide with the lyrics. So I felt like I got a lot of context as I was listening, which the lay listener probably did not have. Yeah. you, you yeah, just didn't do that. <laughs> you just had the Winter Gabriel's what, what rambling writing from it. <laughs> what I, could I, you infer from it, then, Mir? Um, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I don't always like catch on to lyrics right away when I listen to stuff. I tend oh, to just sort of experience what the music is first, and then I start actually like hearing the lyrics and. I only listened to this once because it's super long. It's very long. Um, it's like an hour and a half. And mm-hmm. um, so I very much enjoyed the sounds of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... It's, it's, it's a very... Ta- I think it's I, great. Yeah, on it's that a front. technically it's really progressive varied. album. Right. Yeah. Technically impressive. I didn't... I just... I just didn't... Uh, pick up on the story at all. <laughs> yeah. Which, and I mean, be- I feel like if you asked most... I feel like if you asked most of the band, they would be totally cool with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only... One of the few things that he's state, uh, Peter Gabriel has stated is that it's about split personality, which mm-hmm. is interesting with that ending that we discussed, where, is it Rail? Is yeah. it John? And I noticed as I was going through, it even switches between first and third person, even sometimes within the same song. Huh, I... Thinking about that, that makes sense. I don't know if I really picked up on that right away, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just thought it sounded better at times, but... <laughs> no, I mean, from... Well, maybe, yeah. But I, I, from what I hear, he's pretty meticulous with his lyrics. Uh, so. True, true, true. From what I hear, there's certainly no lack of people making attempts to interpret the album. And even further than that, people trying to recreate the whole performance. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't watch anything of it but i've seen attempts to like recreate the full tour since it was never really officially recorded no there's bits and pieces of it that are available mostly of the awful awful slipper men (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely photos of that laying around but yeah it's this group uh called the musical box named after i believe a later one of their albums or an earlier it's another genesis thing that they're named after and uh so basically yeah they would recreate the show uh, and probably my favorite part about their recreations are the comments from Genesis themselves 
uh, on their performance, oh. which there's some real gems here. Like um, Peter Gabriel saying that he took his children to it so they could see what their father did back then. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Phil Collins saying that they played it better than we ever did. Oh. Uh, let's see. Tony Banks saying, I have seen a video of them and the guy who does Peter Gabriel is brilliant. <laughs> I just I, I I appreciate all these really good comments from them on it. Jeez. That's delightful. <laughs> you know, and apparently uh, you'll just take be... your children to it so you can see how much dicks you were surrounded by on stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I hadn't thought about how young they might have been. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, apparently it seems like they still do the shows every now and again. So in addition to having it, you know, yeah. it's recorded and available on YouTube, but. Maybe you can go see it live someday, too. I, I haven't I'm thought sure. about it, but it would make some sense that Genesis would get the sort of tribute bands that try to emulate them like the Beatles do. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about the album was, as I said, I was impressed. I liked the music, but I was so lost, not just by the story, but even now, I can't really recall how any of the tunes go. I mean... I mean, I think that's just sort of a byproduct of it being, like, long. Yeah. It's a they, lot to take. Other than the... On Broadway! Oh, yeah, there's a few callbacks to... Yeah. They're not callbacks because they're not their own, but there's a few direct references to other popular songs. Yeah. I know there's that. There's Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. There's some other ones. Yeah. But, like, it's the sort of know. thing where I, I feel like I, it's a lot I, to I'm take talking in, about... In just... Like, I understand... The thing is, whenever I try to recall a song from this... Just takes me a second and, oh, wait, that's from The Wall. Or, oh, wait, that's from Tommy. And then I wish I was listening to Tommy because I really liked Tommy. But that's beside the point. The thing is, I'm approaching it, like, 40 years after where everything that this album did has been recreated or redone in some way. So I understand that my interpretation has been somewhat lost amongst all of the imitations and follow-ups yeah i mean that's definitely fair and it feels like the sort of thing where i can't really it's not the sort of thing i can really parse on one listen you know it's the sort of thing where i feel like i'd be able to better appreciate the individual works and in turn well so i'm kind of conflicted because there's this divide uh, among the band members uh in the interviews i saw on whether each individual piece should stand on its own or if it should be, you know, this this whole long thing that you listen to in one session. Oh, of course. Because some of the, because yeah, some of the other band members I saw were like, you know, the music is good, but none of it really stands on its own necessarily. Whereas with Peter Gabriel, you know, it's conceived as just one continuous concept album. Yeah, precisely. There's so very I, few clear cuts between songs. Or yeah. well, no, you can so, tell when they end, so, but it just immediately picks up with a similar motif. I, I mean, I think that there's a good amount of variety and differentiation, but like I said, just going back, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah. But like, as a general experience, it's like, it's, you know, still one that I enjoyed all the same. For sure. And I could see myself going back to, you know, if not just for the, you know, musical component of it. Yeah. I'm trying to. Maybe not necessarily to, to relive try, the story. Yeah, try to obtain a deeper understanding. I totally agree that it's not a one and done deal.
I don't know. Any last penis strokes for the road, or? <laughs> I like to keep things classy here, so all right. I'll abstain. Of course. And we're always classy here. And thank you for paying attention to how classy we are. You can, if you have a... <laughs> it's hard to ignore. Yes. If you have a suggestion for something for us to cover, you can reach us on Twitter at itsymbolicpc or through email at itsymbolicpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram at itsymbolicpodcast if you are looking for visual aids. And you can see just how disgusting the slipper men truly are. Or you can just not look and you'll probably be happier that way. <laughs> True. I mean, we don't want to advertise not looking at our Instagram. I can make an exception here. <laughs> well, if you want to help us out, you can also, you know, spread the word, share the show with your friends, and leave a rating and review on your listening station of choice. It helps. Yes, also definitely send us more suggestions, because as you, we mentioned earlier, this entire episode is brought to you by a suggestion. Yes. And if you want us to be similarly confused, <laughs> go ahead. Try. Anyway, I'm Jacob. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Next time, we're going to fall in love with a video nasty. Join us then. A what? It, it, it makes sense. Trust me. Trust me. Say that? Trust me. I don't... What? It sounds terrible. <laughs> Maybe, but you just have no taste. Video nasty? Yes. I'm forgetting you. I'm forgetting you. Baba Deepa.